0: Welcome to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Gold podcast, your destination for all things lacrosse. I'm your host, Kyle Devitt, and in studio, Mr. Jack Piatelli. Jack, what's going on, man?
1: Not too much. Um, Looking forward to the long weekend with no lacrosse this weekend, Uh, so uh, excited about that. Uh, Trying to get myself in shape, working hard, Uh, getting back to the gym, a little boxing, and uh, Boxing, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. new. Yeah, it is. It's a great workout. I took a private lesson. I almost died. I thought the woman was going to kill me. Yeah, I survived and went back for a second round. And yeah, it's it's it's, it's a lot of fun. Something I never done before. It's something i always wanted to do. And anybody, I recommend it highly to any of the young athletes. What a, what a great way to get in shape. Let me tell you,
0: It sounds terrifying. Would you go to like a title boxing or something?
1: Yes. Actually, it was a female boxer coach, and she was she was an animal. She did a great job. I think she forgot I was sixty. <laughs> she thought yeah. I was a kid. It's like <laughs> slow down. I went <laughs> through a couple of bottles of water, but all good, all good. Excited for our next guest. Yeah, and I think he can give us workout
0: tips. He's an accomplished power lifter himself. He is the head coach of the Oaks LC box lacrosse franchise, first year last year, first year getting to the, to the Nationals, Mr. Joe O'Neill. Joe, what's going on, man?
2: Not too much. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, we've been friends for way longer than most most guests we have on here, I think. I think we met while you were, I mean, you work at Stringer Shack, which we should say is a place that, have, one of the few places that makes their own mesh for people to buy online out of Western Mass. And we met when I was working for IL Gear. And I was just like, this is in Massachusetts. And I remember going to visit you at the the plant. And I'm like, this isn't an old brick building, like down a street. Like what's happening? Am I in the right place? Right. It's Western Mass. It's shockingly similar to uh, central New Hampshire and northern New Hampshire. Kind of the same thing is you're like, oh, this is a town. This is a town. And then you go <laughs> yeah.
2: in. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't work there anymore. I haven't been there for about a year. The okay. um, company's still going strong and all that. They just kind of phased out what I was doing for the company, kind of kind of a casualty of COVID, honestly. Yeah, But, but they're still pumping out the same high-quality products, and I still use them to this day.
0: Well, I know one of the things you did kind of in your post-COVID was become a head coach at Wakona High School. Tell me a little bit more about how that happened, because I don't know the story about it. I know your son was on the team, but other than that, how did that – come to pass.
2: I was actually with the team 3 years prior to my son being on the team. I was a I kind of started out as the one day a week assistant and then as time went on I came on as the the JV coach and then when the head coach stepped down, it was kind of a natural progression. My son was coming in as a freshman and I took over the program in 2018. So and you
0: led them yeah. to his senior year twenty twenty got canceled, but you led him his senior year to a championship in twenty twenty two Can you tell me a little bit about that experience? I know jack you've you've coached your boys, but to do it and, and win a state title how What was that experience like for you?
2: i mean obviously to to do that with my son w- was amazing. The thing about it was like as most dads are that know the game and and grew up with the game. Um, I had been helping his group since they were little kids. So it it was with my son, but it was also with like a group of kids that have been um, part of my lacrosse life. It was for about eight or nine years. So to do with that group was really special. Um, it It was an amazing ride. I got to do it. I got to do it my way. I was able to do some some fun things, some different things that, I don't know, we had a really fun, exciting team. We were able to play fast. Usually the starters played half the game because I let them, let them get to 20 and then we were done. That usually happened by halftime. And then, yeah, but overall the, the run was amazing with the team. It was great.
0: And one of the things I know that you used to develop those players was – uh, your, your box acumen, you kind of developed an, all those players with a box Oops. aspect, a skill set. <laughs> you helped develop those players with a box skill set, and it, it really helped them learn the game from a different angle, I think, than a lot of high school coaches for field to develop their players. How did you implement that, and what were some of the things you did to highlight that progression?
2: I, I've, I've had to think about this a lot lately because this question's kind of come up to me a lot in the past month or so. I think a lot of it goes to and I I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a thing is that I did not play college of the cross. So I had no preconceived notion of like how to teach the game or how to develop a player and but I knew what I idolized when I was growing up was the the, was it the, they call it the MLL major, M-I-L-L, Boston Blazers of original. I I believe, Jack, were you on that team? I was, yes. Yeah. The mill. Yeah. So, yeah. So I I probably watched you play. Actually, I know I watched you play. So I idolized that version of the game. And in doing that, it made me kind of chase different things. So once my son was old enough I started looking for more and more box lacrosse, and that led me to NAMLA, which is a native youth league in New York. So my son grew up playing native box lacrosse, like uh, on the native reservations, didn't really play a ton of field lacrosse. Yeah, we're from Western Mass and all that, but that's where I really learned how to coach and I really learned how to, um, he really learned how to play along with some of the other kids that were on that team. So that that's kind of – it was a little bit different that I, I really came at it more from a box background. I played, grew up playing field across, but I developed my skills in the box game, coaching and stuff like that. So it, it made me attack the game a little bit differently.
1: Your son played box throughout his whole youth and high school career. Much easier transition going from box to field. Explain why. The game is so much, I mean,
2: the game that we love is very fast, right? Field across is a very fast game, or it can be, but it's not nowhere near as fast as box across. So you have your reaction time to reading what's happening on the floor is that much faster, so that it becomes so much easier to read what's happening on the field. I even see it from the coaching perspective. It's pure chaos as a coach on a box bench. And when you're on the sideline on the field, it's kind of like the matrix. Like everything just kind of slows down and you're able to see what's happening a lot quicker. So in that aspect, it helps the players. But I think it also helps the coaches um, be able to see what's happening quicker on the field
1: making adjustments on the fly in box, uh, calling timeouts, uh, things of that nature. As a coach, you do have to really pay attention to what's going on in the field. And you also have to pay attention to what's going on in the box and make sure you have the right personnel on there because you've got changes going on all the time you got you got a transition situation or you lose possession on offense you got to get the guys off to get the defensive guys on vice versa when you have the ball on on defense you might lose it and uh, so there's a lot going on not only on the field but on the bench
2: correct um and I think one of the things that it it helped me is like trusting my assistants like in the box, like I'm on a box bench, I'm watching the overall game and the, the guys running the door or my assistant coach is running the doors. You have to trust them when you have to be able to communicate quickly with them. And I, I feel that transfers very well to the field game. Also I had, it was kind of a joke amongst the writers and people that would see my field bench. I had a ton of coaches on on my on my sideline at Wakona and the box people running the boxers kind of actually like two people running my box. I had the person actually sending them off and on and then I had another guy that was getting them ready. So there were there was a lot of communication that was happening with that.
1: Making sure they making sure they opened the gates at the right time, getting the players off, getting them on. I'll never forget When I was asked to play for the Boston Blazers, we practiced. We had training camp. None of us were box players. Uh, Our first game was in Philadelphia, 18,000 people. And no matter how much preparation you put into the game and getting ready for the first game, and my son now plays for the the Firewolves, and I told him his first game was in Buffalo in front of 15,000. I said, you'll never experience anything like this because unlike – practicing the field game when you get to a real game field game the situation doesn't change that much the pace of your practice the pace of the game doesn't really Mm -hmm. change much at all but when you play box you practice and you practice and you get out in a game situation they blow that whistle it is like you said it is like Chaos, right? Everybody's a hundred miles an hour. The ball's bouncing off the boards. You're trying to track the ball down. Am I going on offense? Am I supposed to get off? And, and it just, it's, it's overwhelming at first. Over time, you do adjust to it, but there's nothing like the rush you have. Uh, playing box, the excitement, the fun, conditioning—it's the best conditioning that I've be- ever been through. I was in the best shape of my life playing box because it takes a lot out of your your upper body, your low, your legs. You got to be able to be strong with your, your cross checks and being able to create space for yourself. It's a lot more difficult because you're playing in a small arena out instead of out in the field. But there's there's nothing like playing um, competitive box.
2: Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I say, and I'm sure that you can attest to this is kind kinda of like in a little bit of like a philosophical thing, is those walls of the box, they it just contains the energy. So it just constantly builds in there. Yes. Yes. In field, it it has someplace to go. It kind of it's there, but, but it, it can go someplace. And if you're playing where there's a crowd in a box, they're on top of you too. So it's just – it's the emotions and the mental strength that you have to have in that game make field lacrosse a much easier to consume game, a much easier to play game.
1: Yeah, and and the thing is with box, you can't hide a player. You're on the floor. You can't hide a player. You can hide a player in field lacrosse, Mm -hmm. a weaker player. But when you're on the field, the box floor, right – and you're playing, you have no choice but to be active. You have to play. You have to go out there, and you have to find a way to pick up the ground ball, create space for somebody else, set a pick. Because if, if you don't, you're in big, big trouble. Big trouble. You might get hurt. You're going to get lost. But you're like in a cave, right? You're in a cave, like you said. Sure. you got the boards, and you're trying to find a way to, to navigate through that cave. And if you don't have your head up, you don't know where the ball is, you don't know where you are on the floor, you're going to be in trouble. And there's there's no escaping unless you get off the floor. And like you said, like the box, the ball hits the, the, the boards, the ball is still in play. If a guy makes a bad pass in the field, it goes out of bounds, whistle blows, you get a one- or two-second break. But when you're on that floor, you don't get a break. It's all out. Yeah, all out. And emotionally, it's all out as well, I also
2: find. And I, I think that's why we see some things escalate in box a little bit more than in field. But yeah,
1: completely yeah, if can, agree. If coach. you can handle the speed in box, the outdoor game slows down for you so much. And obviously, you're shooting on a six by six versus a four and a half by four and a half. Those goals vary from year to year. But you know, you're talking between four and four and a half uh, feet for the for the box goal, which is a huge advantage because if you can find a way to put the ball in a four by four goal and then you go outside and six by six it's it's like wow this this is this is pretty easy compared to what i was just trying to do in the in the arena absolutely
2: one of the other things i consciously did in like trying to help my son develop was before the summer before he was at the high school he was he played his first junior season so he was playing u21 junior ball at 14 years old um playing against some amazing players, guys that these are college guys. So by the time he made it to the high school field, he'd already been pushed around by college guys. And one one of the things that's also drastically different between box and field when you're talking about playing up north or on the reservations in New York is it happens in the summer, but this isn't summer lacrosse. This, it, it's, this, this is winner-take-all. This is not a three- or four-game tournament in Long Island on a Sunday in the summer. This is winner-take-all. They're not going to take it easy on the 14-year-old the, the kid. He initially, they see him as the weak point. They're going at him. They want that ball from him. Um, and and I, like I said, I did that very consciously. So by the time he was there his freshman year, He's not going to be pushed around by a high school kid the way that some big 21-year-old guy that is is looking to go to a Founders' Cup is going to push him around. Great way to grow up quickly. Extremely good way. Extremely he was also
0: good. an excellent soccer player as well, right?
2: Yeah, he was a defenseman at Wakona. And that was, he brought a different feel to the soccer game, if, if one way to put it. Because <laughs> you yeah. have to think, he, he was playing junior ball yeah, in the summer and then went to the soccer field that fall so he, he was very good at separating the player from the ball
1: yeah brought a little more aggression to the field than most soccer players <laughs> Yes
2: yes. Did he lead the league in cards or no? close no, honestly no once again he was he he's, he's way smarter than me and he, he he's very subtle with everything that he does. He was very good at separating. The only time he ever got a card, the only reason he got it was, I, I honestly thought the, the kid was dead. And I, I, I say that not He took a kid out so hard, and the ref didn't card him initially. It wasn't until the, the other team's parents were going on to the field that they, they finally carded him. But I think that was his only card in, in high school soccer amazingly
0: well, we should say his name's billy and he plays at naz and his recruiting yeah. journey was was interesting as well uh, i know like when you're a father and you're coaching him and it's a little bit of a different perspective than just a parent that has a kid that plays sports how was that process for you as well as for him like what was your level of involvement and uh which schools were kind of you guys talking to the whole time
2: One of the things that I did as he was going into his freshman year is I I went and I looked for a club, and I looked for a club that would kind of fit his style and be able to showcase his skill set that he has, right? And not try to make him into something that he's not. And I ended up with HGR, with uh, Brian Brazil. And one of the reasons I went with them was because – they ran the pairs offense that they ran at Merrimack, um, and that suited his style. It suits his his skill set and all of that stuff. So, in terms of the recruiting, I wanted to be basically as hands off as I could. This this is the the players' experience. It shouldn't be the parents' experience. Did I? Uh, uh, we had talks and we communicated and all of that kind of stuff, but Brian Brazil at HGR really helped him along the way, and we we had great meetings and stuff like that. Schools that were looking at him was Merrimack, which was a natural one because Brazil was right there. We practiced HGR practice at Merrimack. Merrimack was at Hartford when they were Division One, and. and who the heck else was it
0: from Neskak schools, right?
2: Yeah. He, Williams. Yeah. Which is local to here. And those I would say were kind of the bigger ones that, that we're looking at. Them. Nazareth happened because with my encouragement, his freshman year, I told him cast a really huge net with your, your highlight video. And he sent his highlight video everywhere. And Nazareth and Coach Randall was the one school that responded to him quickly. They and Coach Randall then communicated with him for the rest of his career and was made him feel very comfortable. The other the other big kind of reason that he ended up at Nazareth was I'm friends with Ryan Hotelling, who was quite the player there also in the box game. And, yeah, kind of a little bit of encouragement from him and, and that kind of stuff. But he's in his sophomore year now, and he's having the time of his life up there.
1: One of the, my former teammates' son, Jack Seibel, I think he's the same class as your son, correct?
2: Correct. They played HDR
1: together the whole time. Yep. Yeah, he's having a great experience, uh, at NAS. They, I mean, they've done a great job for, for so many years. Coach has put together some really good teams and actually my son's freshman year at Cornell, they scrimmaged NAS in Michigan at NAS. I'd never been to the, the campus before, but it's, it's a nice campus, great facilities for small division three school. And, and it was a great experience to just to go up there and see the campus. So anybody that's listening, Naz, they have a great program, great coach. He's been around doing it for a long time. And glad to hear your son's having a good experience.
2: Yeah, it was they have they have three different lacrosse fields, which is not very common out of Division three, And they also have a brand-new indoor facility. And there's a field that's almost a full-size field that they can practice on earlier in the year. And they also – the team runs a a winter, like seven on seven league, leading up to winter break. So they that team is together all the time, and I think that's a really important thing to note. Like that team is pretty much all of them together all the time. So
1: they'll be friends for life. Absolutely. I actually just talked to
0: one of my kids as a freshman, and he's having trouble. It's first first month is the worst month. And I uh, had someone reach out and just be like, hey, I think he's struggling a little bit, called him. And uh, he was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know, coach. I don't know. Like, it's so different. And I'm like, hey, man, you, I wouldn't right. send you to a place if you, if I didn't think you could play there. Like, you have to believe in yourself enough to, like, work hard enough to, like, make a team. Like, it's not high school anymore. You're not just going to walk onto the field and be playing. And I think there, he hears that. And I told him that before he went but experiencing it is such a different thing. And like having that support is a huge part of it, especially initially breaking into the team and, and getting some minutes. And I know like, I know Billy kind of went through that last year. I watched a couple of NAS games and, and he was coming in kind of on that second midfield, third midfield line and advancing up as the season went on. I could tell, did you have any conversations like that with him? Just kind of just be like, Hey man, you know what you're doing? You're you'll be fine. You just keep working. Like, you'll get on the field kind of things
2: oh absolutely one of the things that they do there I don't know if they do it everywhere they coach Brandle has a depth chart pretty much every practice so you, you kind of know where you are going into practice or it, it, especially during the, the spring season so you might you might be knocked down a couple couple pegs from yesterday well you, you better get back there and work harder and, and get yourself up there Yeah. I mean, Billy had a, he had an up and down season. I mean, overall, I think he had a good season. He kind of, he did at Nazareth what he's always kind of done with me. And like, honestly, I saw it this summer with, with him and the Oaks. He, he kind of wakes up in the big time, the big shows. I think he had three or four points against RIT. Like, that kind of stuff. Like he 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 kind of he shows up when when the when it's really on the line. And he did that for us this summer with the Oaks. He kind of had a slow summer, but then when I think the championship game, I think he had, I think it was four four points. But more importantly, towards the end when we were we were trying to seal out the game or keep it close. I mean, I I think he was pretty much responsible for keeping the ball down in our offensive end for three possessions in a row. Three 30-second shot clocks, which to be able to peel that off a clock is huge. So do we have those conversations? Absolutely. Him and I are very close. He's actually home right now for reading week, and we just kind of hang out and do our father and son thing, try not to talk too much lacrosse, but yeah.
0: Pretty inevitable. Tell me a little bit more about how you founded host because he he played for nor'easters as well there's a kind of a smaller new england based box league that's really expanded and, and jack has a team he's wearing his shirt now the stallions yeah. who are in that as well and it's it's kind of become a feeding ground i mean one of your guys got drafted in the nll draft after playing for you guys so can you talk a little bit more about the genesis of the oaks how you guys founded the team and and your experience coaching box as well
2: so to get into how the team was kind of founded was right after billy graduated high school he had some offers to go up north but he wanted to kind of stay more close to home because he was going away to school so i contacted ryan conwell and said hey if you're interested I got him. We'll, we'll get him out there for practices and stuff like that. So he played uh, a summer with uh, Cambridge. Next year comes around, and um, he, again, had some interest from some teams up north, but he was kind of doing the better away at school. I want to be home. I want to see my, my friends out here. I want to, like, just be home. So I said, do you want to go to Cambridge again? I said, or this is the, the opportunity we have. Uh, we've always talked about having a team out here um, of some sort. I go, this is the opportunity where we could we could do this here. And he said, yeah. He goes, let's let's do this here. So him wanting to stay home and wanting to kind of take the little bit harder route, the easy thing is to go play for Cambridge or one of the other teams in the league. The hard thing is to get a, a team going. So we we took the hard route. My my partner Charlie Edwards and I have wanted to have a box across team out here for years, and this was kind of finally the the straw that broke the camel's back on on us getting it off the ground. And it was it was an amazing summer. We had great fans in Hoyoke It's kind of what we thought it was going to be because there's not much else going on. So we had fans. We had a DJ playing music the whole time. It was kind of a, a mini NLL environment when when you came to our barn and just the way that that team
0: happened how do you make a team i like yeah, how much how much recruiting did you do how many guys did you get that were local how many people could you bring in how'd you get the facility like uniforms i, I feel like you just had a team i remember talking to you and i'm you're just like hey i'm gonna do this team i'm like how how do you <laughs> how'd you do that like I, and then so- i see you guys are having success it was it was wild to me
2: so the first thing that I recommend, and I, I'm sure Jack will, will go with me on this one, is the first step is have a completely understanding wife.
0: Jack, you have that?
2: <laughs> I no
1: longer have a wife. Well,
2: that's the other way to do it.
1: <laughs> she wasn't understanding.
2: <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs> and you have yet to have a wife, so.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> So, so that's step number one. Now, step number two is you. we built the team essentially from the goalie forward. The advantage that, that I had, let, let me just say this. This is the first team I've ever been a part of where I can recruit the entire team, where it's not like a team just matriculating up to me, like through high school or anything like that. So this is the first time where I was actually able to go out and sell guys on, you should come play for us kind of thing. Now, it kind of goes back to where Billy was playing when he was in his youth, right? And the guys that I had brought along with that. Cam Smith, the the kid that was drafted, the first box across game he ever played was for me. I had him out in Rochester playing playing for one of my teams out there. So to see him go pro is amazing, a, a amazing accomplishment. But we had from the Medicine Men team, that the junior team in uh, First Nations. No, it's a defunct team, but a lot of my Oaks guys were Medicine Men. So it was like bringing just bringing the boys down from Aquasasney to come play for the Oaks. It was, and then their friends would want to come play it was guys that were bubble players for the muskies. Maybe they got cut from the Snake Island muskies. They were coming to us. Maybe they are kind of aged out of the muskies a little bit. They can't quite run at the the senior B level anymore. They came down with us. That's where I got a lot of my guys, a good core of my, my native group that I had playing for me. And then I also had guys that had played box for me or field across for me over the years that came in, and then their friends. So that that's essentially how the team was formed. It was kind of meshing together three different friend groups. My the my Akwesasne friend group, the Western Mass friend group, and then their friends. And we were able to put it together into a heck of a team. I also just kind of read the rule book Guys only have to get two games in to be eligible for playoffs, so typically my top guys got playing time when they weren't seeing the top teams in the New England division. So Maine and Cambridge never saw my top goalie un- until they saw our top goalie in the playoffs. That kind of stuff, kind of playing the playing the system a little bit too. So
0: you gamified it a little bit. I I, I know yeah. that you you went on to kind of win the northeastern division and that was a wild game even your first game was wild can you kind of just tell me about that real quick
2: uh, yeah i got a couple minutes here yeah yeah uh going into it we as as jack may jack knows with, with these things you're dealing with men so you're kind of at the last minute trying to finish out your rosters and we got our roster together for that day we we had what we thought was going to mm-hmm. be good Solid group. We had good leadership on defense, was a big one. Uh, we had our top, one of our top goalies was there. And it was it was that emotional train. We we stuck together. We found our groove with everything that we had to find a groove on. Offensively, we, we really popped off against Maine. Defensively, our defense stepped up huge against Maine, along with our, our goalie made some amazing stops against against Maine and then we quickly turned around in an hour and we we had our game with Cambridge that went down to overtime and all the power to them they're they're a great team I was on their bench the summer before a uh, great group of guys love those guys but at the end of the day we were able to to impose our will at the end yeah one thing with my my high school teams the Oaks team whatever it is they Never stop fighting, ever. Sometimes actual fighting, but <laughs> weren't
1: they fighting after the game too? <laughs> Jack, Were we fighting
2: after the game? No,
1: we weren't fighting after the game. I thought I no. thought a video championship game, that box game, on Instagram or X, former Twitter, where they showed fans coming and players fighting and. I thought it was the, the the championship game, but I'm I'm mistaken. But it was it was a melee after a game.
2: No, we never had fans or anything like that. It, honestly, no. I I just remember
0: seeing the it, it, highlight of the guy getting his head smashed in. And everyone's like, "This is box across," and I was like, "That's why I don't play anymore." <laughs> That's, that oh, was, oh the, the the viral highlight that yes, was uh, the viral highlight of a guy getting his head smashed into the boards was one was of the reasons you are on the podcast.
2: <laughs> like it was unreal. Yeah. That was- that was Billy. And then and that was my my Wakona assistant son, Zach Mann, came in and gave him a little help at the end to make sure that he was okay. It happens. We move on. The, the wildest part about that video, I will say is this, is it went viral. And this yeah. was against the Thousand Island Spirits, another like heavily native-based team. And we played them out here that video went viral and then we had to go up and play them in their barn the following weekend out in New York. So it was definitely, Hey, what's going to happen here? But everybody's cool. Honestly, after, after the game with thousand islands and whatever happened, we're all at the the local, we're all at Griffin's pub at the end, having, having a good time together. You know what I mean? I think that's one of the things that I really want to key on is yeah, things happen out there. um, But At the the end of the day, we're we're all part of this together, and we're all shaking hands and and hugging at the end.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what's great about lacrosse. Really, is the uh, the friendships you develop, and like you said, uh, you were coaching a lot of those guys before them. It's it's a family. You go to war for a couple hours, and afterwards, you break bread, have a couple of beers, and you have a few laps, and you move on.
2: Absolutely, and I think that that's key. Like all three people that were involved in that viral video they all hung out that night and the, the next time we were up in New York, you know what I mean? So no hard feelings anywhere. It just is what it is. It was kind of funny that it blew up like that though. Yeah,
0: it's, it's pretty amazing. It's amazing that you guys in your first year kind of won division, went to nationals. We just want to thank you for coming on and promoting the box game as well as the, the field game. I think that that league in particular is really great at building players and is going to stay around as opposed to the other league that did not last two weeks or two months. So definitely go if you're you're in the Western Mass area and Holyoke, definitely check out the Oaks this this coming summer. I'm assuming you're doing it again.
2: Absolutely, for the next probably 20 years.
0: <laughs> so definitely check that out, Joe. Thanks, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast.
2: Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks, Joe. Great job. Yeah, great, great talking to you.
1: You too.
0: Thanks again for listening to Newing the England Cross Journal's Chasing the Gold podcast. For Jack Piatelli, I'm Kyle Devitt. See you next time.